Hello. Hi. Coming to you through the electrical impulses of the internet, it's F That Noise. Featuring Mike Burnett, Keith Reeve, Jamie Klein, Pete Melia, and Steve Taylor. This is episode three of F That Noise as we inch closer and closer to the multiple clusterfuck holiday of Christmas and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa, whatever you want to call it. Hope you enjoy your <laughs> holiday coming up. I, of course, will not. Anywho, I'm here with the boys. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Klein. How you doing? Pete Melia. Yo. Mike Burdick. That would be me. And Mr. Steven Taylor. Yeah. Yeah, see, he's, a, <laughs> he's jazzed. He's ecstatic. I don't think we can, we can contain him. All right, so last week we introduced the uh, new bit, the drive of the week. Mr. Klein, uh, set it up for the folks for this episode. All right. Yeah, we uh actually coming up on the, uh, I believe it's the 30th anniversary of the movie Harlem Nights. It's a film directed by uh, Eddie Murphy and uh, starring himself and Richard Pryor. But the drive that for this episode is going to be from Danny Aiello, who just recently passed away and we're going to discuss. Um, why don't you take it away, Keith? And uh, here's a little Danny Aiello for you. An excellent drive. So when I see you guys with the, with the fancy suits and cars and nice houses, and I'm living in a fucking hovel. Cars and nice houses, <laughs> and I'm living in a fucking hovel. 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 <laughs> Good try. Oh, God. oh, that's just the best. Oh, oh, I so drove that. <laughs> and I wish the viewers the, could the see it. He actually puts his fingers nice up and just And I'm living in a fucking hovel. <laughs> <laughs> he, like, jumps up from his chair when he does it, too. <laughs> Uh, and the funny part, the one I loved about him in in that movie too, is he played a. For those of you who have not seen Harlem Nights, he plays a crooked police officer, but he plays a very soft-spoken one. Oh yeah, and he's always he has that air of he's like he can get crazy, but he never breaks and goes nuts except for that one scene. Like normally oh, yeah. he's very even keeled, and it's, yeah. that's like the one time he loses his mind. Like I don't remember if it was actually the first scene he's in the movie, but it's like one of the. It's where he's really like introduced, and he's he's talking to Richard Pryor. He, he like he, Richard Pryor comes home, and he's like just waiting in his living room, mm-hmm. and he just starts talking, very soft spoken, and uh, he just he's he's talking, and he's like, "Yeah, you boy, yeah, that's a nice suit. I buy off the rack. It's very, very, very like understated." Yeah. Very quiet. He has a smile all the time. Yeah. So have that makes that drive a, even better. Have you guys seen that movie recently by any chance? Oh, yeah. I, I actually saw it maybe less than a year ago. It was on Netflix or something. How does it, how does it hold up? Because I remember when I saw it, I thought it was – I always thought it was overrated. I didn't laugh as much as I thought I would. Hmm. It's not constantly funny. Like to me, the funniest lines in the movie come from Della Reese and Red Fox, which were not <laughs> in it very often. Right. Yeah. Because even like Richard Pryor, he's not funny at all. He plays a very subdued. Yeah, he's like the straight. He's the yeah. He's the straight yeah. man for the whole thing. Yeah. Um. 
But I mean, like, yeah, she's the funniest with the pinky toe and all that kind of stuff. It's oh, hilarious! And Red Fox, just the little things he says under his breath, um, unbelievably <laughs> funny. I like that's king. Oh, he's the best. I'm all right, so that's... good for I'm, goodness' sake. I'm, I'm going Whoa. through. I'm going through the filmography, and man, like after like 1992, it's like hard to come by anything with him. Well, no, yeah, Ilo. <laughs> Who else? <laughs> I mean, he was never, he was always doing small parts. He was never a big, you know, he was a character actor. He never was a lead. I mean, he did, what's that TV series he did? The The Last Don? Don. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That was like his biggest starring thing he's ever, he ever did. See, I feel like, I feel like what happened was. The guy was living in a fucking hovel. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like, uh, I feel like, like, I don't know. I don't remember whether. It was Moonstruck or whether it was the Madonna video, but like it was something that like people started like talking about him and all of a sudden he's in everything for like a four or five year period. Mm. Seemed like he was in all kinds of stuff and he never had that huge role. But um, I think he wasn't he nominated for Moonstruck. He was nominated. No, he he was nominated for uh, the right thing. Oh, do the right thing. Right. Right. He's a pizza owner. The only time he ever got a nomination for an Academy Award was uh, do the right thing. Because no, it's was... not true. It's not true. He got nominated for a short. I found out. Oh, really? For acting? Yeah. yeah. Apparently, he got nominated for a short, and I, I couldn't tell you what the title was, of course. But yeah, Academy Award. Back, when, back wow. when Moonstruck came out, which was '87, by the way, um, it was <laughs> back then. The Oscars they did not like putting two people from the same movie in the same category, hmm. and uh, Vincent Gardenia was already nominated for Best Supporting Actor. He ended up losing oh. to uh, Sean Connery for The Untouchables. But it was like when you look at that movie, Danny Ayala was amazing in Moonstruck, but Vince, Vincent Gardenia was ridiculous. Like, they both were so good. It's tough to choose. And uh, I, can't, I, I can't think of a person in Moonstruck that wasn't uh, that wasn't really good. Yeah. Like, no, I, I agree mean, either. you know, even even Nicolas Cage, who kind of overplayed it, but he, he, it still was a good character. You know, I'm looking at his filmography. First major motion picture, Bang the Drum Slowly. Yeah, yep. um, that, which that. is a phenomenal movie. What what a way to start a career too with being in a movie with with Vincent Gardena. You got uh, Michael Moriarty and you got Robert De Niro, and it's yeah, that's one of De Niro's earlier. Fantastic movie. I don't remember. Maybe maybe it's because I've kind of tried to forget about forget about The Godfather Part Two. But I forgot he just he did it for a minute. There. Yeah, I forgot he was even. But there he has all. the line where he, he yeah, he he's added choking it. out a guy and he says Michael Corleone says hi, which oh, always yeah. confused the hell out of me because I I didn't know like watching that movie I don't know whether uh, Michael Corleone tried to have him killed because they keep going back and forth throughout the movie and you're like you know was he set up did he actually yeah. do it it was really kind of it was really kind of weird that line kind of set up a lot mm-hmm. and there's actually. He was really good in a very underrated movie, The Front. I don't know if any of you have ever seen it with Woody Allen. I haven't. Uh, no, I have not. Um, it's a he's true story. With Woody Allen a bunch of times too. Yeah, it's a true story about a guy who um, Woody Allen plays a guy um, Howard Prince who was blacklisted during the McCarthy days. Yep. He was a screenwriter, so he had to write stuff, and other people took the credit for it. Mm-hmm. And Danny, Danny Aiello plays a character in the movie, and he's really good. Oh, that he movie, plays Prince. No, 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 no. Um, Woody Allen plays Prince. Danny Aiello plays a guy named well, 
Danny, which I know is a stretch. Woody Allen uh, doesn't look anything like Prince. Good to. <laughs> From the waist down, he does, is what I heard. Oh, I uh, know. <laughs> but no, if you ever get a chance to see the front, it's great like a movie. Purple Rain. 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb. From What's that? 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb. It has one of the best ending lines, too. One of the, the last thing he says in so, Woody Allen says is amazing. Want, it's a good drive. Do you want to perform? Not a drive, really. Woody Allen has curse. a drive? It's not really a drive. It's a good curse. And I'm it's, living it's, in it's a, a, a drive for Woody Allen. <laughs> Um, no, but I, you know, Danielle, I, for those of you who have not seen either do the right thing or Moonstruck, which are the two big movies he's known for, he's such a great actor. And I even love Hudson Hawk, which is a very, oh, oh. Let's, he dances very, in Hudson let's, Hawk. Let's he talk dances, a little bit about Hudson sings. Hawk. I, that, that is an underrated fucking movie. I've right never there. seen yeah. Hudson Hawk. Oh, oh, it's yeah. so good. That movie's it's, great. I don't give a shit what anyone says. That movie's fun <laughs> as all hell. Well, it got drunk because it it was in Bruce Willis's heyday when he was a big action star, and everyone thought it was an action movie, but it's really not. It's a comedy that yeah. has some action elements in it. Yeah. And they were they were friends. They, they they were actually talking for years about doing a movie together, and that was the movie that Bruce Willis said, "I want Danny Aiello as the the sidekick." And so he did it. It's 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 a great movie. He's a Tommy Five Tone. It's yeah. it's funny as hell. Mm. I just, he has one of my favorite lines in it. Fucking airbags in the backseat. <laughs> you ever notice Danny Ayala's had always had good drives? Oh, he does. He does have he's, some he's got a great drives. voice. He's got a really good voice. Yeah. And so he's he he really makes you feel makes you feel the drive. And that I'm living so in a bad. fucking that's right, you. <laughs> no, he has one of my favorite lines, and my mom and I, because my um, when I first saw Moonstruck, my grandmother was still alive, and we come. I come from a very Italian family, and it it like resonated throughout our entire family. And my mom, she always reminds me of this line because <laughs> now, I don't want to say anything bad about my brothers, but I've always been a mama's <laughs> boy, and I've always been the one that is like been the most loving towards my mom and there's a line in danny in it where danny al yells to nicholas cage you're a son that doesn't love his mother yeah. <laughs> so my mom always says to me you're a son that loves his mother it's like that line is nice. kind of stuck with her family does she say it like danny Aiello? well a, a four foot seven italian 75 year old italian woman speaking like danny Aiello, yes close enough <laughs> but it's it's such a great role like uh, uh Oh God, I can't even think right now. I I love it because I love it, I love it uh, Moonstruck uh, because his character is has so many flaws. Oh yeah, like, he's just like everything about him is wrong. Like it's just you know like he's trying to propose to her and he's talking about how he doesn't give enough get enough oxygen to his yeah. head or something. I don't remember the exact line. Well, Johnny he's, like, he's a big baby. Yeah. <laughs> so, so just for people who don't know Moonstruck like myself, um, so in the movie it's Danielo's trying to. He's engaged or trying to get engaged with He's Cher. He's engaged to Cher, and then right. he has to fly to Sicily because his mother's dying. Yeah, well, he, he has, gets he gets engaged at the beginning too. Yeah, he gets engaged and he flies to Sicily because oh. his mother's dying. Holiday PJ party. And so he tells Cher to go invite his brother to the wedding, who's Nicholas Cage, and they're estranged. And she ends up falling in love with Nicolas Cage. Spoilers: It's a thirty-year-old movie, so if anyone hasn't seen it, F- um. Yeah. um and 
when he comes back from Sicily, there's all this rigmarole, but it's it's insanely funny. Like he's so he's so the scene that I had, I I had made a clip from the movie that I put on YouTube, which only had like ten views prior to his death. Now it's got over a thousand. Wow. Um, oh, it's good. a great scene when he comes back, him Olympia Dukakis and Vince Gardenia. <laughs> One of the greatest scenes in all of cinema. It's unbelievably funny and it's so well written. And he's great because, like, he, he does play this very just wimpy mama's boy, has no he, – he seems intelligent, but he also seems like an idiot at the same time. And he's just so good at it. Like, you, he's this yeah. really big guy, yeah. but he plays him as this little man, like this little man who has no – backbone whatsoever yeah like she's she's taking him to the airport and she's like listing all the stuff that he needs for the flight and all the medicines and all the this do you have this do you have this and he's like so he's just so nervous about everything it's a great part and like when he's ordering food in the restaurant before he proposes he orders fish and she goes you don't want fish it'll be bad and she changes his order for him and he's okay with it it's like he just is such a wuss in the movie, and it's he plays it so well. See, it's, it's very different from because his other roles. He started out as a tough guy. Oh yeah, yeah. You look at look his early roles. He he was living in the hovel, but um, he started out in movies like <laughs> with Harvey Keitel, Defiance, uh, Fort Apache, The Bronx, and Paul Newman. He was he actually played Police Chief Aiello, and Once Upon a Time in America, um, that was directed by Sergio Leone. And, um, I mean, that guy worked with some big, big directors, Woody Allen, Larry Cohen, obviously Spike Lee, Luke Bess, uh, Luke Besson, Norman Jewish, and, um, uh, Robert Altman. So this guy, this guy was, uh, usually a tough guy. So and the funny thing is he, he got to look, he got to work with all those people. And, you know, if you think about it, the guy didn't start acting until he was like 35 years old. He didn't get any parts till he was like 40. Right, forty years old. So, which is an inspiration to me. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's nice that it's he just he never took any acting classes. He you know he just sort of jumped into it, and he um, I believe he had to work for his family, and he and he just kind of jumped in to get whatever he want, whatever he could, and he ended up working with all these amazing people. Jamie just mentioned it's amazing. He did a lot of TV too. I was, uh, you know, we talked about the last Don and the last Don too, which were real big. But he was in episodes of uh, Tales from the Dark Side, uh, Lucy Arnaz show. He was in a bunch of ABC after school specials. Um, he was on Saturday Night Live. I mean, uh, obviously, you guys mentioned uh, Madonna's Papa Don't Preach, and um, I'm just gonna say Hudson Hawk again because that movie's fucking king. Which <laughs> for a lot of people in the '80s, Papa Don't Preach is. Like, maybe they didn't know his name, but if you would have showed his picture, like, oh, yeah, he's from the Madonna video. Like, that video was so huge. That was then. huge. Yeah. yeah. I Because it, it was also when she changed her whole look, and, like, it, that made big headlines. It was, like, a big thing. Like, she went from that, like, boy toy era to the right. the stuff that Quentin Tarantino was talking about in, in Reservoir Dogs. So it's, like, um, you know, that was like, that was, like, a big time for the whole thing. I forgot about I think that Ray. helped him balloon up. I forgot about Radio Days. I remember liking that movie. Yeah, I got a feeling. So, I don't know if it would hold up today. He's also in uh, Purple Rose of Cairo. I mean, he was in a bunch of Woody Allen stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Good actor. Yeah. I, we t- I was talking about this with some friends that like, what 
why does, I mean, for you guys, why do you think Danny Aiello deserves a little tribute that we're doing for him tonight? What is it about him that you think deserves the tribute? Because he was in the most Italian movie of all time. <laughs> Good well, two of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, the one where he didn't kill anybody. Mm. Well, I, from what I heard, he was a great guy. You know, he's married to the same woman, I think, since I, I looked it up earlier, 1955. Yeah, Had, you know, everyone that ever worked with him says he's a great guy, never got in any trouble, never was in any problems, was in these great movies that were part of our, you know, upbringing, oh, Moonstruck. And and do the right thing, I, what I didn't see until later in life, but um, like Harlem Nights, I saw. Um, Hudson Hawk, you know, all these movies and especially just for me mainly, it was Moonstruck. Like, when you have a film that connects with you that much, even if it's the only thing you ever see a person, like the grandfather in that movie, it's the only thing I ever saw him in. I love that guy. Absolutely love him just from that movie. Like, I would pay him. He's been dead for a long time, but if we were doing the show back then, I would have done a tribute for him. Um, it's just when they, you know, they play important part in, in films or, or any kind of medium that has means something to you. And like I said, that movie, what it's not even just that it's a great movie, but it connects me to my mom. It connected us to my grandmother. You know, it has right. a connection through my family. So to hints, anyone in that movie deserves, in my, for me at least, a huge tribute just because it meant so much to me in my life. Nice. Yeah. That's a good answer. I, I I don't have as deep an answer as that, but I, I think that you could, sadly, you could have an entire podcast around people that affected our lives in film. Oh, Obviously, absolutely. people we never knew before, but like, you know, people people on this podcast, all of us have like a connection with movies. And we've, right. you know, we've always gotten some sort of experience by going to the movies and like connecting with these, these actors in these roles. Um, and I think that that we could do that for all these people that are sadly passing. But with him, for me, it's, it's not as deep as Steve in the connection, but what it is, is there was a period. I like, I found out some of these movies, these great movies he was in early. I didn't know about at the time. And what I knew was is moonstruck. Yes. But like he was just, his face was everywhere at a time when I was riding my bike to the movies or I was watching TV and I was, it was it was everywhere for like that period of time when we were just kind of growing up, and I think the last Don was when we were we were in college. I, I want to say yeah, it came out nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, so like by then it was sort of like oh Danny Aiello is in this, but uh, he, by then he kind of passed that. It was like when we were in high school, I believe, and I don't have the IMDb in front of me, but um, it seemed like there's that six seven year period that he was everywhere, and that's what I connect with. <clears throat> Um, yeah. Yeah, what you said. What you said. <laughs> All right, oh, just, I guess it's like anytime that somebody from that I associate with my youth in general, it, it, like, yes, I loved him in a couple of those movies and, and everything like that. But it's like, yeah, oh, I remember watching him as a kid, and now he's dead, and now I feel old. So, oh, yeah. there's that too. It just yeah. makes me sentimental for the old days, I guess. Danny Aiello reminds me of like an actor who's like he's like comfort food. Like you see him in a movie, you're like ah, good. Like this movie could be a total piece of shit, but one saving grace will be him. You know he's going to be at least good in it. Right. Yeah, and I I think playing to Steve's point about the everyone liked him. 
he was a guy that seemed to he came off as somebody who respected other people. And mm-hmm. I'm living in a fucking hovel. Especially he was there. living in a fucking hovel, though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but it's like you know he's he is a good example of I hate when people nowadays crap on actors. You know, actors do you know sometimes act like they're a little more full of themselves than they should, but. When people are like, oh, you're just an actor, you don't matter, you don't mean anything. To people like us, like to me, some of these actors, the movies they've made have meant a lot to me in my life and have done a lot, like got me through hard times or made me, you know, laugh, cry, whatever. And it's Or like, made you start writing yourself. It made me start right. writing. Well, that's Tarantino, really. But um, Or made you come. Made you come. Well, that's, 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 um, that's Miami Spice, too. But... <laughs> Um, it's just, it's, I can't, I can't, you know, I, I, I can't come. I can't, I can't. Just, I can't come. <laughs> oh, Call the FCC. And it didn't take long to go down that road. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I was going down memory highway and then it turned to the Hershey highway. I don't know what the well, you know, this, 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 <laughs> This group, <laughs> trying to get the conversation back on track a little bit. This group, this group, <laughs> this group, wow. We're talking about tributes to actors that have passed, and I remember Pete and Steve getting pretty fired up over a Gene Kelly tribute oh, fuck back you. in the day. Oh, fuck you. What happened? That still made me mad. <laughs> that is why... That whole thing is why I watch the Oscars alone nowadays. <laughs> All right, for those for those of you that don't know this, I I love Gene Kelly. So I love Singing in the Rain. It's one of my favorite movies ever. And it was when Overrated. we were in high school. There was an Oscar broadcast where they were doing a remembrance of Gene Kelly because he had just passed. And I, we were at Jamie's house. I know I was there, Jamie, P- or Keith, were you there? Yeah, I was there. I think it was oh, 1995 was, uh, Academy Awards. It was at Jamie's house. I was definitely there because yeah. I remember this. And I was so – I just wanted to hear, and the, all, they all started screaming, <laughs> and, and I lost my shit. And to this day, even though I think the broadcasts suck now, I will still watch them by myself just because – Was that Steve's, was that Steve's <laughs> initiation into the bomb squad? I might have been, baby. I don't. It wasn't because mm. you didn't really get loud, but you got pissed. <laughs> oh, I got fucking mad. <laughs> oh man, I, it didn't help that yeah. he had some good lines and just absolutely murdered me that night, and I couldn't stop laughing. Just, Steve's Steve's getting all angry, and we're all like, getting quiet because it's getting awkward. And then Pete's like, "There he is in his sailor suit." <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that like when they rolled out Christopher Reeve or something like that? <laughs> rolled him out. Uh, oh my god! The first time he came out. Well, I mean, they did. They did roll him out. <laughs> Jesus, this did take a turn. Oh my god! <laughs> Let's go back to the drive. And I'm living oh in a god. fucking hovel. <laughs> Change the subject. So anyway, uh, anyway, all right, moving on. All right, the other thing we wanted to talk about today is sailor suits. No, just kidding. Um, yes, we wanted to talk silver bells. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's a Jesus Christ. 
Bob the Deck. God, if you were around us from 1994 to 1998, you think this is hilarious. <laughs> um, We've lost half our viewers. Yeah, right. Bourbon. Uh, non-traditional Christmas movies. Getting back, getting on that track now. Uh, and the one I actually that, have a list of my favorites. The one that jumps to everyone's mind would be probably Die Hard, correct? Well, it's the greatest Christmas yeah. movie ever made. So, okay, so, mm. so I think it's a Christmas movie. Next Mike, you made a grunt. Do you not consider it a Christmas movie? No, I, I do think it's a Christmas movie. I just there I there are other ones that unconventional ones that I think are more Mike so, likes I, Lethal Weapon. Yeah, I'm a big Lethal Weapon fan and I've always associated that with Christmas. Gremlins. Um, I agree with Mike. It's a great movie. Great Christmas movie. I like Die Hard more, obviously, but yeah. no. No, Batman I love Returns Die Hard. is a Christmas movie. Yep. Really? Now wait, now now Batman Returns. Um I, because I looked up a list, because I was trying to like refresh my memory on on movies I might put on the list, and that was listed a couple places. I don't see why. Why is that a Christmas movie? It uh, it takes place during Christmas and has Christmas setting. Because yeah, remember in the beginning they're lighting the tree when. Correct. When, um, yeah, the, I remember they're lighting the tree for sure. Yeah, yeah. but it was. And, a, and I'm I'm legitimately asking. I'm not mocking your choice. I'm yeah. saying like, what like what is it like? Is it a is that like what's the criteria then? Well, that's the thing. What is the to me the criteria is it's got to have takes place at Christmas. Mm-hmm. It's got to have um, at least some Christmas music in it at some point. Well, then uh, Batman Returns is not a Christmas. Oh, that's then. right. There is there isn't any of that. I, I, now I'm with you, Steve. I think Batman Returns is definitely a Christmas movie. I mean, you even have the last line of the movie is "Merry Christmas to all." And, or something, or he goes, uh, goodwill towards men and women. Uh, yeah. And that was before hashtag me too. <laughs> no, see my, I love all those. Uh, and I love Die Hard. To me, one of my, like Die Hard's still my favorite Christmas movie. Die Hard 2 is also a very underrated Christmas movie. Had yeah. some of the best swearing ever in the history of the world in Die Hard 2. Um, one of my favorite Christmas movies, and I don't give a shit if I get shit on. I love this movie, and it's <laughs> That's the, last long, week. the Long Kiss Goodnight with Gina, Gina Davis, Davis and uh, Samuel L. Jackson. You have to remember. What? You have to refresh my memory in terms of like what about that is Christmas? Because to me, I remember it. I remember she's an assassin. I remember like I remember well, Samuel that, L. Jackson. One hundred percent takes place around Christmas and involves yeah. Christmas. Has Christmas music. Has Christmas food. Has Christmas. Like the the main part of that movie takes place like one hundred percent at Christmas time, and it has all the Christmas themes in it. But then once again, that goes into is it a Christmas movie? Like it takes place at Christmas, it deals with Christmas things at certain points. Yeah, anything anything written by Shane Black usually takes place around Christmas. That's like his thing. Is that right? Yeah, it's mostly not not everything, but most of it. Everything. He's and. Fun fact, that is Samuel L. Jackson's favorite character. Of all the movies he's played, he loves that character the most. Is that right? I didn't know that either. I heard that in an interview, and I love that movie. So It does have a good line. Pete, what were you saying? Oh, oh, something that jumps out for me for a Christmas movie that's a little off the beaten path is Better Off Dead. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. See, like, I saw that on a list. I was thinking about it a little bit today, and it's like, wow, that that movie... uh, that's a movie I've seen thousands of times. And it's just it was always around Christmas too. I used to watch it. I don't yeah. remember that movie taking place around Christmas. Oh, well, it, it, it takes it's place. Just, the, uh, the bear. It's in California, 
right? Yeah. Well, no, it, it takes place. I I feel like it takes place in a, over a longer period of time. But I feel like they have a they have a major portion of of it that takes place at Christmas in the middle. Like, you know, they have, you know they have the people over and they have like they exchange the gifts and they do the whole thing. They they do go through it yeah. for sure. They wear the costume, the the reindeer costumes and everything. So. So no, yeah, she bring, he brings her out and the the right. um, the garage door is new and all that yeah. stuff. But it takes see, for me the reason why I didn't think of it, but I totally agree with you, Pete. Is it it takes place in Los Angeles, and so the part around Christmas there's no snow, so I didn't think about it because of right. To me, I think snow, but there's no snow because it's Los Angeles. Yeah, oh, <laughs> everyone's snow. going to be wearing these. <laughs> should, be, should be snow for Christmas. So I I googled a list to like kind of like what what Mike did to jog my memory, and I came up with I saw this. There's, there's all these like Christmas horror movies that I figure Jamie has to have seen. So I've like, seen every single one. Probably have. So let me, can I can I run down the list, Jamie? And, and see go for it. Shoot them? before you even run it down. <laughs> my favorite on that list, if you have it, is Santa Slay. Yeah, that's the first one. Bill Goldberg is yeah. is yep. in Santa's Santa Slay. That's not very but good. But now, funny thing about that is. <laughs> That movie starts <laughs> off with James Caan and Fran Drescher and Chris Kattan and all these well-known actors because the guy that directed it was Brett Ratner's assistant. Oh, Jesus. Right. And so Brett Ratner's a producer on it, and he got all of them to be in the beginning of the movie to kind of give it some star power. That's one hell of a mm. favor. All right. Robert Culp is in that thing, too. Yeah. From 2012, Silent Night, starring Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, that's the uh, remake from of uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night, yeah. um, my second favorite Christmas horror film. So did you yeah, like- I can I can remember working at Blockbuster and seeing that cover. I think it's the original where it's on the roof, right, with the the chimney. Yeah, the axe. Yeah, yeah. What about Silent Night, Evil Night? Is that a sequel to Silent Night, Deadly Night, or is it just another movie? Silent Night, Evil Night. Um, that might be a oh, actually something else. I apologize. I'm reading the poster wrong. It's actually for the movie Black Christmas. Oh yeah, just watched it Friday. <laughs> 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 yeah, Black Christmas. Um, a lot of people are going to be thinking of the new one that's in theaters now, but the original is from 1974 uh, with Olivia Hussey, Keir Dulea, uh, John Saxon, <laughs> and Margot go. Kidder. Yeah. So how many? Um, how many? And then they remade it. They remade <laughs> it again in uh, 2006. Um, the bunch of I don't, I don't remember the actors. A bunch of horrors. If five severed heads Super is, gory, the, uh, is the best, how many severed heads do you give that movie? Which one? The if, the original? Yeah. And how many? <laughs> how many? If, in a if scale five of one? <laughs> scale a scale of one to five severed heads. Yeah, I give it a nice four. Okay. All right, and then I saw this movie that freaking I. I like all like Jamie, this is your genre, and like usually I'm not interested in watching any of this shit. But this one, this, is a shame. this one, I want to watch. Gary Busey as the Ginger Dead Man. Uh, just so you know, Gary Busey's in it very little. Man, he's only in it in the beginning, and until he gets transformed into <clears throat> the Gingerbread Man and goes around killing people, you still get his voice. Um, and they made a bunch of sequels, and I'm pretty sure his voice is not in the sequels. So, goddamn. But um, if you if you want Gary <laughs> Busey in a Christmas movie, I'll redirect you to Lethal Weapon. I I'm uh, with Mike 100 okay, okay. percent on that. <laughs> yeah, go, go but Gary Busey Weapon. really has better things to do than to do his voice for the sequels. <laughs> no. Well, if Nick Nolte can be in the Mandalorian, I guess uh, Nick Nolte or uh, Gary Busey could be in the sequels. Busey's free. 
Oh, um, very underrated, and maybe Jamie will be the only one that knows this. And it, it's technically not a movie, but it's a Tales from the Crypt. Oh yeah, all through the house. Yeah, I just watched that last weekend. <laughs> Which I love that, and personally, because Fred Decker, who wrote the screenplay, made one of my favorite movies ever, which is The Monster Squad. Great movie. And Larry Drake is Santa. Larry Drake from uh, Darkman fame. Oh, I love that. It's one of my favorite episodes. And that episode is actually a remake of um, one of the episodes they did in the 1972 Tales from the uh, Crypt. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, the Amicus uh, film from 1972. I feel they, like they did that with a lot of those episodes, right? They, they were did, yeah. Yeah, they did, a, they did a few of those like that, actually. <laughs> uh, between that and Vault of Horror, they, they, they did a few of those. That's that's awesome. There's a Tales from the Dark Side one I like too, um, but I'll, I'll I'll direct you to this one. I think you guys will like this one. Grem, if you like Gremlins, check out Krampus. Mm. Oh, I saw Krampus. That is funny as all hell. We played it at work. Yeah, that is a good uh, Christmas horror movie. Um, and you should take the kids for that one. That's a PG thirteen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is it in? There's no titties and you know seventies bush or anything like that. There's not a lot of gore. I'm, I'm looking at these lists online and like some of them have seventies. Like, some of them are like incorporating movies that have Christmas in the title, like Ernest Saves Christmas. Like that's not a non-traditional Christmas movie. It's a Christmas movie. It's a stupid. Christmas yeah. I don't know. Movie, but no, but like again, it goes back to what's the criteria? Because if you're talking about like like for example, you look at the movie Scrooged. You know, Christmas. obviously, it's obviously it's a it's a variation on a well known Christmas story. What? No, but it no, isn't. No, but it, but it's so modernized that it is a little unconventional in a way. And it's Murray. Mm. And it's Murray being Zick. Yeah, I, mean, I like I like Scrooge, but yeah, that's that's to me that's definitely a Christmas. That's movie. just a Christmas yeah. movie. Mm. Yeah, I would go with yeah. that. So I'm thinking you... like unconventional. Here's here's one for you: Cobra, Sylvester Stallone's Cobra. Watch that. Is that a Christmas what? movie? What? Not. Yeah. Cobra there's Christmas trees years. everywhere. There's talk of Christmas in the background, but it's in LA, so there's no snow or anything. Uh, it's like, do you consider that a Christmas movie? Or is uh, yeah. Christmas I mean, for me, I for me, I don't because I mean, t- like I've seen that movie way too many times for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I'm racking my brain on the Christmas part here, and I can't like I remember like I remember it like I saw it yesterday. It's been a long time, but I, and I, I there may be Christmas trees in it, but I don't remember any Christmas theme, any Christmas ideas. Yeah, I mean at the end where they're where the you know where he's in the warehouse, you know fighting those. Guys, I don't remember right. the, you know them singing deck the halls. No, like, I, mean, I, I can't take my, my I, mind off his tight pants, so I can't. I, I, I <laughs> what Pete? Um, I agree. I agree. Um, I watched it uh, a couple days ago because I heard that it was like considered a Christmas movie. I watched. I'm like, that's really not a Christmas movie. I like the movie. Oh, but, but someone was cla- someone was claiming it was that that's a Christmas movie. It's it, to me, it's like saying is First Blood a Christmas movie because there's Christmas lights in the background and there's some Christmas trees. So, but there's no nothing else about Christmas. Is that a no. Christmas movie? No, because I think you do need to have. Like the music, you like you gotta have something more connecting it to Christmas. Like it has to be a a plot point is Christmas. Yeah, and Die Hard it is a plot point because they're at a Christmas party and there's Santa walking around. So, Hmm. Steve, would you consider Jack Frost a uh, Christmas movie? Oh my God, the Michael Keaton one, no. No, The one of the Killer Snowman, 
Yeah, there you go. Fuck yes. See, I never realized there was two of them. There oh, is the second one since it's, 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 it's so awesome. bad, but it's funny. Which one? The Michael Right, Jesus but one? if I remember, like, people would come to the video and they'd want, like, the wrong one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You have to see the second one, though, from when he turns into ice cubes and then a supermodel in a bikini pulls an ice cube to rub on her chest and he starts going, oh, yeah, yeah. It's the funniest fucking thing. <laughs> Perfectly logical. It is yeah. hysterically Wait, Michael, funny. That's and the I Michael Keaton the one? Because doesn't she, she puts the ice cube in her mouth and then he blows her head up or something like that? Like, it's, <laughs> it's something insane like that. It's, it's so wait, good. So which Jack Frost is it, the horror one or the Michael Keaton one? The Michael Forget Keaton the Michael... one. <laughs> <laughs> Oddly enough, I think I think I saw the Michael Keaton one at your house, Jamie, in, in Webster. No, I never watched that. No, I think you did. I think you put it on. It's not like we watched the whole movie, but that movie definitely was on your house at, your house at one point. Oh, I, I can... I will bet my left nut that movie did not play. In my <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that Michael Keaton movie, sure. That's a lot of the line right there. <laughs> <laughs> what about what about trading places? Actually, I just thought of that. That is definitely. They, hey, Pete, you gotta you gotta try yeah. on that. You got a Thanksgiving movie, a Christmas movie, and a New Year's Eve movie all in one right there. Uh, yeah, you got the whole yeah. you got the whole three seasons there. That is a great great. Great movie, and I'll, I'll argue that's probably my favorite Eddie Murphy movie. Trading Places, yeah. Mm. True Confessions, never seen. I it. think that, yeah. Oh, you never seen it? Mm-hmm. Never seen. Oh, True wow. Confessions with uh, Robert De Niro? No, I've never seen that movie. <laughs> it's my True Confessions. Oh. I, I always, like I always, never seen Trading Places. Sometimes I like hold back on those, but I like to see your guys' reaction when I haven't seen like. <laughs> You never seen Overboard? Yeah. Oh I my want to see, God! I want to see your rela- your reaction when you see Jamie Lee Curtis's tatas. Well, oh yeah, she's got some big fucking taters. Mm. <laughs> 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 oh man! All right, we're at the thirty-eight minute mark, so I think this is a good time to end this episode. Oh balls! I know. So. <laughs> We'll be back. Anyway, watch some good Christmas horror movies. Watch Christmas Evil. Watch Black Christmas. Watch. Um, yeah, all of that. <laughs> all of that. What's that? This has all been episode three of so that you noise. Get a chance, go out, get a job, so you can stop living in a fucking hovel. <laughs> Find us on the socials, people. F that noise. That's pretty much it. And I'm living in a fucking hovel.